me try something. Is this on? Not yet. Christ is risen. Isn't that just the best greeting? Isn't that just that? It's been used for hundreds of years. Christ is risen. It's taken from actually from that first Easter when the disciples on the road to Emmaus run back, burst in with the news. (laughs) He's alive, only to be greeted with, He's risen. He's risen indeed. It's a greeting that Christians have used. I think we should use it all the time rather than, Hi, how are you? It should be. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So if ever I do say Christ is risen, your response is he is risen indeed. And then we all say hallelujah. And we beam as we do it. It's hard to say it without beaming. Let me read. We're going to have to hold on tight this morning. We've got a lot to do. We're going through the whole Bible pretty much. But this is where we're finishing and where we're starting. In Romans 8, let me read it to you. Um, From from Romans 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sort? As it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a magnificent passage. We've already been singing it this morning. Yesterday, there were two, at least two, funerals in Cambridge. I was at one of them. One was for Professor Stephen Hawking. And... His life was celebrated. I mean, it is an amazing story, an incredible life. But he had made it clear that actually almost certainly, as he put it, heaven and hell did not exist. And so there probably wasn't a God. But there was a lot to celebrate in his life. The reading was from Plato on the death of Socrates. Um, We're not using it this morning. But it's actually saying that beyond death, the, not, the, the search for knowledge continues. That was the great hope of that funeral. And the tributes were that as long as there is science, the name of Stephen Hawking will be remembered. That was not the funeral I was at. Okay? I was at a funeral for an eight-year-old boy 
called Joshi Anderson. Boy, it was an emotional, <laughs> emotional time. Eight years old, he's not going to be remembered for as long as science is around. You don't know him. Their family is living in Muscat, originally from Cambridge. We're on holiday in India. And out of the blue, he catches something, some infection that he struggles with and defeats him and he dies. The two other boys, they've got three sons, both catch it. The mum as well is struggling for her life. They come through it, but they have to come back with his body to the UK to bury him. So Becky and I, yesterday morning, before I leave, we're writing the card. And we're thinking, what do you say to a family? I mean, what do you say to the family? There's no Clintons or Hallmark card that says the thing you want to say. All of, everything seems empty. You will live on in our hearts. I mean, this heart isn't going to last forever. How can you live on forever in somebody's heart? Sorry for your loss. I mean, ah, how can you say such a thing? Your loss. A son. Our middle son is Joshua. That's all I was thinking halfway through, through the funeral. We have three boys. Our middle one's Joshua. They had three boys. Their middle one was Joshua. And he died at the age of eight. There's nothing to be said. Unless, unless it is true that there was a man who, even though everybody else's life had been stolen and taken from the gra- by the grave, unless there was a man who said, no one takes my life. I lay it down and I pick it up again. <laughs> what a magnificent thing. What do they think as he's saying that? That's what he said. And then he did it in front of them. In a crowd, publicly, he was crucified. And then suddenly the rumours go around two days later. Sunday morning, he's alive. I saw him. Mary saw him. Mary saw him. James and Peter and John running to the tomb. He's not there. John believing. A confusion of that day. In the evening, as I say, these disciples running back from Emmaus. And before they can say he's alive, the disciples say to them, he's risen indeed. Someone's defeated death. Suddenly there's something to be said. And it was the most amazing meeting. So I so emotional. There was laughter and there was tears. He wanted to be a cow when he grew up. <laughs> I mean, you can, and we laughed like that. Why? Because he's not going to be remembered for as long as science is there. He's now 75 years of a fulfilled life. He was an eight-year-old boy. But the father stood up and said, I will always introduce myself as the father of three boys, one of whom is with Jesus. You think, magnificent. How can you do such a thing? I'll tell you why you can do such a thing. Because this is true. It really is true, and it's true in the front of a grave, an open grave where an eight-year-old is being put in. It's true, and we rejoice about it this morning. But you've got to remember. You've got to remember it, and you've got to understand it for to, to believe it. That's what we're doing. We're going through 
That's what we're doing this morning. We're going to remember and we're going to understand. We're going to see how that was important right through for the people of God in Scripture to remember and to understand. And we'll see how the disciples struggled with doing that right from the beginning. Because actually, there's lots of passages we can look at. I'm going to tell you stories so you can just keep up with me. There's a great... An interesting passage. You know when Jesus walks on water? He comes to the disciples in the boat. It's just after the feeding of the 5,000. And he comes to them in the storm. And they're amazed by him. And he comes to them and he stills the storm and he gets into the boat. And it says they were utterly amazed because they had not understood about the bread. It's an interesting phrase. You think, they hadn't understood, but what were they meant to... What's the connection between the bread and in a storm being safe because Jesus is there? They hadn't understood about the bread, so they were frightened in the storm. Okay. So obviously, because they didn't understand the bread, Jesus has to do the whole miracle again. So in the next chapter in Mark, there's the miracle of the 4,000 and the seven baskets left over at the end. But the disciples go through it when Jesus says, what are we going to do with 4,000? And you know, he's thinking, look, not long since the 5,000. The disciples are all kind of, uh, we don't know, maybe we could just send them away. They haven't understood about the bread. And he says, no, sit them down. What have we got? We've got four loaves today. And then they hand those out. And there's seven baskets left. Have they got it yet? No, because next... Later on that chapter, they're in the boat. And Jesus just says, he says this, you must be careful of the the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples hear yeast. They think bread. They think, who brought the bread? Nobody brought the bread. I don't think we've got enough bread. They're worrying about bread when there's just 13 of them in a boat. They've had 5,000. They've had 4,000. Now they've got... 13, there's no bread. What are we going to do? There's no bread. And Jesus takes the opportunity to say, can you remember when there were 5,000? Yeah, I remember when there were 5,000. And we had five loaves. Yeah, I remember. How many baskets were left over? 12. That's right. When there were 4,000, remember that? Yeah, I remember the 4,000. You can see it's naughty school children being told off, can't you? How many baskets were left over? There were seven baskets left over. You know. Don't you understand? Jesus says, don't you understand? Don't you remember? Leaves it like that. Don't you remember? Don't you understand? We're not good at remembering. Sometimes we misunderstand. That's why it's so important that we... We have days like this where we're remembering. We have songs that remind us. We meet together to remember such things. The people of Israel, they were told to remember something. The Passover and the Exodus was an event in the people of Israel's history that defined them, that created them, and they were told to remember it. So, if you don't know that story, let me very, very quickly. They were in Egypt. They've been, we've been going through this, actually, in, in Hebrews 11, as we've gone through Hebrews 11. They go into Egypt, um, actually, as saviours of the world. Joseph 
amazing stories. He's fed the whole world, taken into Egypt, the heroes, and then grow as a nation, become intimidating and become slaves. They went in as one or two people. They grow hidden in Egypt, become slaves, and then with incredible miracles, God brings them out of Egypt as a people. Once they weren't a people, then God does something amazing and brings them out of Egypt a people. Once they weren't a people, now they are a people because of the incredible power of God. And they have to remember this. So they did the Passover, which reminded them of this. They were meant to do it every year because the eve before they left Egypt, the final, most terrifying of the acts of God in Egypt was that the firstborn was going to be killed in Egypt of every family. But the people of Israel were going to be kept safe. They were going to kill a lamb and the blood of the lamb was going to be put on the doorposts and they were going to be safe inside because the wrath of God would pass over them and leave them safe. Now anybody with any Christian background who's read anything, heard anything, you begin to immediately see the parallel. A lamb killed, the blood of the lamb keeping you safe from the judgment of God. We're meant to see it. It's not fanciful. Paul clearly says Jesus is our Passover lamb. The Gospels are written to make us see very clearly he died at Passover. And he takes the Passover meal to say, right, now do this to remember me. So they were to, this was the big thing they were to remember. They were, they had a script to remember it by. So that, let me just read you something from Deuteronomy. This is what they were told. When they enter the land, this is what they say. As the first fruit is born and they're going to give it to God, they say this. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Any Jew would know that, would know it by heart. It was to remember, God brought you out with incredible acts, with a mighty arm, outstretched arm, with a mighty hand. He did incredible acts to save you. See, how could they ever forget such a thing? Well, it doesn't take long to realize they forget it right at the beginning. So, when you go through, you don't need to turn, but when you go through Exodus, you have that chapter, the most amazing miracle that they are brought out of Egypt... Uh, miracle after miracle after miracle to convince Pharaoh to let them go. Moses and Aaron keep saying, let us go. Pharaoh says, no, 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 yes, no, 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 yes, no, yes, no, go, just go. Because of the acts of God again and again and again. So you think, wow, 
they must be so sure that God is with them. They've had this Passover meal. They're remembering they're going to do this forever. They've agreed to do this forever, this Passover meal. They get to the Red Sea and they say to Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt to die here? Weren't there graves in Egypt? It's their favorite saying. Weren't there graves in Egypt? You brought us this far, now we're all going to die. And Moses says, stand still and watch the deliverance of your God. And incredibly, in front of their eyes, the Red Sea parts, they walk through and the sea closes and they see their enemy defeated. It is like the Passover is the death of the Lamb. The passing through the Red Sea is this resurrection life, this incredible miracle where the, the enemy is defeated and they are through. And then they sing and they dance. That you know, in that chapter of Moses' song, Miriam's song, they're dancing with tambourines, they're all happy. That chapter actually ends with the moaning that there's no water. That's how it ends. Oh, there's no water. The next chapter is they are moaning. In fact, not just moaning. This is what they say. There's no food. So the people of Israel said, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. You've brought us into the wilderness to kill us. We're all going to die. So God provides food. Next chapter There's no water again. And they say the same thing. Why did you bring us into the desert to kill us with thirst? We're all going to die. It's like they can't remember. Can you not remember what God did for you? Can you not remember that he did this and then he did this and then he did this? It is like the disciples. They hadn't understood about the bread. But actually when Jesus is present, all things are possible. And they'd forgotten comes to the point where they go into Numbers 14, where they're right on the verge of the new land. And they just can't take it. They send spies in. Ten of them come back saying, basically, we're all going to die. If we go in there, we're all going to die. It's been their... They're constant fright. We're all going to die. 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 Eventually, God says, okay, you're all going to die. <laughs> you are. But it wasn't, it wasn't the Egyptian army, nor was it the Red Sea, nor was it lack of food, nor was it lack of water, nor was it the giants in the land. It was lack of faith. Lack of faith brings death. Does. Everything it touches, death. There's no faith, it's a dead work. That's what the Bible says. Brings death. How do you how do you make sure that it's not that there's faith? Well you remember and you understand. That's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Don't you remember? Don't you understand? You remember. Can you remember things that God has done for you? We forget so quickly. You think you'll always remember that story. We forget. Remember. Remind one another. There are stories we have about what God has done in our lives. We need to remember it. And we need to not just remember it as in, were they good those days when 
God used to answer our prayers. Wasn't it? Good those days when God did things. Now we remember it and we understand what it means. It means God is for us. God is present with us. God is at work in us. And we can, if we remember and understand, we can actually take that understanding and remembrance and bring it into our present situation, which might be a different situation. There it was hunger. We're all going to die. God's provided. Now it's thirst. It just needed some people to say, it needed fathers and mothers and leaders to say, I know this is hard. But don't you remember? Remember when it was the Egyptians and they were against us and we had no idea what was going to happen and we couldn't conceive how God was going to save us and he parted the Red Sea and we went through. And we, do you remember how we sang? He won't let us down now. He won't let us down now. Do you remember? Do you understand what it meant that we're the people of God, that God has come with us, bringing this remembrance and this understanding into the present situation so that now faith can come? Do you remember? Do you remember how he fed us? Do you remember how he watered us? That's what they needed at that moment when the spies came back. Joshua and Caleb speak up. They needed other voices in the camp. They needed people to say, no, do you remember? Do you remember how he brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm? Do you remember how he defeated the enemy? Do you remember how he fed us? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? He will see us through. Remember, understand, you will believe. So what is it we're remembering? You might have stories, I'm sure we all have. If you've been a Christian any time, you will have incredible stories. Some that you've forgotten. It's good to remember them. But actually, if you had no stories, we all have a common story that we can remember. It's that God loved us so much that he came. And he lived a perfect life. And like I said, he laid down his life and then he took it up again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Isn't it good? He's alive. You can, yesterday at this service, it started, we all sang all things. Oh no, we sang this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And the youngest brother came to the front and lit a candle and then went and sat back. He was smiling. It's like, there? And he sat down. And then later on, the older brother and his uncle sing a song about Joshi. How? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And if you forget it, you can't go through things like that. You hit it, and it's kind of, we're all going to die. There's a hopelessness, a despair that comes. How can you fight such things? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's going on in your life at the moment. I just know trouble comes. Jesus said, it was a promise of scripture that you don't get out of promise boxes very often. In this world, you'll have many types of trouble. 
And but we do, we have many types of trouble, they come. Trouble always comes. What are you going to do when you hit it? What happens at that point? Urge you, days like this help us, we remember. We understand what it means and we believe. That's where Paul is in this passage in Romans that we read. He can say, I am convinced. The cross has convinced him, utterly convinced, that now if God did not withhold his son, his own son, the greatest gift has been given. Now, no gift is going to be withheld from us. There is no good gift that's going to be withheld from us because of the cross. And not just that there's been a gift given, there's been a victory won. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, has been raised to the life, is now alive interceding for us. A victory has been won. Anything that you're going through now, you can remember that. You can bring that to bear on whatever situation you are facing now. He died. He rose again. The victory is won. Believe. Don't be like the people. We're warned. They are a warning to us. They saw such incredible things and forgot. They saw amazing things and didn't understand. So every time they faced a hardship, they were overwhelmed by it. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. God was with them. He was going to bring them through. They came into the land of promise. The people did. The many died in the desert because they just did not believe. It wasn't mixed with faith. The New Testament says. So we've, as we've been singing these incredible words and these wonderful songs, I want you to mix it with faith. It means that the thing you are facing isn't going to overwhelm you. Whereas there is a, a grave in Dubai for somebody called Joe Moses. Right? These are not happy stories, I realise, but another grave story. He died one uh, August, about six years ago now. And um, the Christian cemetery in Dubai is just in the middle of the desert. It is not a honoured place. It is out in the middle of nowhere. It is not tended. And we buried Joe Moses who was a faithful son of God and we buried him and um, the family went back to India and then a year later some of the family said we were not there for the funeral could we come and see his grave and maybe we could just go and visit it so there were five of us I think five or six of us all together two from the church and some visitors. And we went to this grave and we're driving along. It's August in Dubai. Temperature's 47 degrees. And you go and you're basically in the desert with some, in a walled place. And, and I'm thinking, I, can't, I don't know what you do a year later by a grave. I mean, I don't know, do I read a passage? Are we going to pray? They've come to, they weren't there at the funeral. They stand, we're standing there like this. And I'm just thinking, I will read something. What do you do? When the other guy from the church, Indian called 
Jacob John starts singing and he sings, there's a place where the streets shine with the glory of the Lamb. And we start singing. And I can't remember all the words, but it's like we start singing. And then we get to that bit. Do you know this song? Because of you. Because of you. And suddenly there is joy. And we're singing this song and we're singing our hearts out. We're belting it out. And it's true. It's true in this desert place where the body's buried and there's five or six of us, one who isn't singing because they don't know the words. And we're singing because of you. Our sin is washed away. We'll be with you forever. It's true. We remember it. We understand what that means. Do you know what that means? That means he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Whatever you hit, I'm sitting there yesterday saying, Lord, would I be able to cope with this? Could I walk through this like this family is walking through this? And I've got to believe, yes, Lord, you'd keep me even through this. You would. You would. You would be sufficient. You've parted the Red Sea. You dealt with the enemy. You fed. You watered. You kept. You defeated the enemy in the promised land. You died. You rose again. You poured out your spirit. You will keep me. He will. I want us to respond to that. We've got time. I don't know what you're going through. I really don't know what you're going through. I noticed something for the first time yesterday. In this, this is the order of service for the for the funeral. We read through Psalm 23. It starts, you know, the Lord's my shepherd, I will not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. It's he. It's talking about God in a third person, about what he will do. It finishes like that. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. But it comes incredibly intimate at the point of Walking through the shadow of death. Suddenly it's not he will be with me. It's you will be with me. It's like God's come so close. There's nobody else to talk to except him. He will be with me. No, you'll be with me. Your rod, your staff. In the presence of my enemies. Again, doesn't sound a nice place. You prepare a table before me. He is incredibly intimate in those moments of need. I don't know, maybe you're going through that now. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe like the disciples. We laugh at the disciples. It's great to learn from people who are slow learners. It's very hard to learn from people who are very, get it straight away. You can say, what do they do? I, I, I want to see it again. It's great looking at the disciples because they get it wrong, 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 right. And that's how you can learn from them. They forget, they forget, they don't understand. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten. 
Maybe you haven't understood. God is for you. There is no one worth mentioning who's against you. You can always think of people who are against you, but not when we're talking about God. Mind immediately goes to Jesus. Well, no, he's the one who died. He rose for you. He's interceding for you. God's for you. Whatever you're facing, I want you to remember. It's why communion is so important, you know. We remember. We understand. We believe. Lord, I just pray now. We lo- I love the way you apply your word, Lord. And we just pray now. So Holy Spirit, come among us. Where there are areas where we've been fearful and worried. Because it's showing just, actually we've forgotten. And we haven't understood. We want to bring memories to mind. Just pray now. As we rejoiced in your resurrection life. Just pray what we'd understand what that means for us now, tomorrow morning, the things that worry us, the concerns we have, the battles we're fighting. Lord, you're with us, and nothing is impossible for you. You can feed thousands. But if we understand that, it means that in the storm we're not worried either. Lord, where... The difficulty that is upon us is one that's new to us. Lord, I pray that we'd understand you're for us. Come, Lord.